Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. It was in the words of the great theologian and fisherman, Bill Dance, that said the solution to any problem is go fishing. The bigger the problem, the longer the fishing trip. Man, I wish I would take that to heart some days. You may notice that our stage looks a little fishy this morning. Over the last several weeks, we've been walking through our identity. What do we want to be known for? What do we want people to say about us as a church? And these come from when I first arrived, I asked us several questions of what brought you to Eubank? What kept you at Eubank? What, what made Eubank se- was separated than the other churches around? And we formulated four things that came out of this. We wanted to be known as a loving, a reaching, an engaging, and a discipling church. As Kevin said to me this week, we want to be L-Red. Loving, reaching, engaging, and discipling. That's a little easier to remember, L-Red. We want to be L-Red. But... We want to love people enough to meet them where they are and love them enough to not leave them there. We want to reach people that just feel like everybody has given up on them. We want to engage people into the DNA network of our community that they feel like they have support. And we don't want to leave them there. We want to disciple them. We want to send them out of our church. We want to raise up the next generation of leaders within our church. We want to send the next generation of pastors, the next generation of youth pastors, the next generation of WMU leaders or Sunday school teachers. We want to be a disciple-making church. But you know, there's one final thing that we have to do. Because we can talk all day long about loving, reaching, engaging, and discipling. Those are great things. We can talk about them until we're blue in the face. But if there's no action put behind them, then they're worthless. We can talk about it until the day comes where we can't talk about it anymore. But if we want to love, reach, engage, and disciple, there has to be an action behind that. We must first go. In fact, as we're going to read in just a minute, the Greek word is epinago. And what that means is that we are to respond in obedience to what God has called us to. You may see in front of me that there are some bobbers up here. In fact, go ahead and put that picture of those bobbers up there. Each of these bobbers represent 100 lost people in Pulaski County. Each of these bobbers represent... Lost people. And if we are to believe what Lifeway tells us and their, their, their statistics, nine out of ten people that are members of a body of believers of a church never share their faith with another individual. And so let's go far beyond that. Let's, let's say that we're a good church. I know that there are people in here that are sharing their faith actively. And let's look at this and, and say, well, you know, maybe we're really good. Maybe 
we reach 100, maybe 200. Let's go 300. So we've reached 300 people with the gospel. That's a lot of bobbers still left. That didn't put a dent in how many people we've got to reach. I want you to I want to put this in our hearts before we even begin. If our mentality is that we can go it alone, we will never succeed. I think it's interesting. God led me to this passage of Scripture to end our, our series of identity. This is the same passage of Scripture that I stood March 26th and preached to you in view of a call to become your pastor. And back then I gave us a challenge that we should stop looking at man-sized goals and understand that we serve a God who is far bigger. If we are going about it alone, we will fail. But with God, the mighty God that we serve, we can reach millions. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. And I'd ask if you have found it and you're able to, would you stand with me as we read God's Word this morning? Luke chapter 5, verse 1. God's Word says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And when he saw two boats by the lake, the fishermen had gone out of them, but they were cleaning their nets. And he, get on, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in another boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Peter saw this, he fell down at the knees of Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you, Father, for who you are and, and, and all of this. Lord, I pray this morning. God, take me, hide me behind the cross. God, would you just move this morning? Would you issue this challenge to us this morning, God? God, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you, Bank Baptist Church. But it should have to do with the burden on our hearts to reach lost people. Father, this morning, God, with whether we're, we are all here, Lord, we're coming from different places. Maybe we're distracted. God, we're already thinking about what we're going to eat. Father, let us put all that aside to hear from you this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We must look at God-sized goals. God-sized challenges. It's Tony Evans who tells this amusing story of a man who was fishing one day and there was a guy fishing next to him and as he watched him just land lunker, just giant bass after giant bass, he watched this man throw the big ones back while he kept the small ones. And this man was absolutely perplexed and 
finally, after a while, he couldn't hold it. He says, I don't understand. Why do you keep throwing the big fish back and, and keeping the small ones? To which this other man responded, it's simple. My frying pan is too small to cook the big ones. You see, uh, for a lot of us, we're like that fisherman. Our understanding and response to God's power is, is limited because God's power does not fit inside of our frying pan. But so often we try to make it. Our prayers should not be limited by our own strength or understanding. We serve a God who opens the doors that could never be opened on our own. We, uh, we pray to a God who makes the impossible, the absolutely plausible, and even probable. And we need God to reveal that greatness into all of us today. And that's what I'm hoping we can do this morning in this passage. You see, we come into this on one occasion in verse 1. While the crowds were pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. You see, Jesus had begun teaching. His notoriety had begun, and people were flocking to hear this man who had come out of the middle of nowhere, seemingly, and began to proclaim to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And exactly what the Jews have been looking for, they come to seek this, this man who's come out of the wilderness, who, 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 who's pressing people to the word of God. And they're pressing in on him. And he sees these two boats. And they say that the people were, or the, 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 the fishermen were washing their nets. And this tells us where we are in this story. This puts us early in the morning of where Jesus is, because they had just returned from their previous night's fishing. He says, verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to put out for little from land, then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus goes into, into Peter's boat and he, he, he would step in. Now this would be weird if we didn't know that just a little bit before this, Peter and Jesus had this back and forth with Peter's mother-in-law to healing and, and all of that. But Peter gets in, or Jesus gets in Peter's boat and they go off and Jesus begins teaching. Now, if we just stop here, we see Jesus is the great teacher. That's what the world tries to tell us, right? Jesus is a great teacher. And if we just end this passage here, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, but listen, if that's all Jesus was, we, we might as well give up on these 55,000 people because they have no hope in a good teacher. If we believe that Christ was just a good teacher, then God holds no real power. If Christ was just a good teacher, he has no influence on your salvation, therefore it's hopeless. If Jesus was just a great teacher, this is pointless. But watch what happens. Look here in verse 4. And we have finished speaking. He said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down this net. So Jesus comes in and Jesus asks the preposterous, Hey, go up, put out into the deep, go out into the deep. And this is where we have this word, epinago, to go out, to be obedient. And we already know what this means. It's to, it's to follow through in obedience. And we have this thing we must understand here because we have this early in the morning. We're thinking, oh, yeah, this is the time where you catch the good fish, but not what we understand historically. You see, historically, where we get up and we want to go, we wake up at 6 a.m. or 4 a.m. to be on the lake by 6 a.m., right? We want to catch those fish right as they're waking up. We want to we land those fish, right? But here, this is the time they would have been coming in from the night. They would have been coming in. Most fishermen would be done. 
Fishing wasn't, was done at night. It didn't make any sense. And, and Jesus asked him to do the preposterous, to go out into the day. That didn't make any bit of sense. In fact, Peter even responds here. He says, Master, this word is epistata, and it means it's kind of like a casual word. It's, it, it's a little bit more formal than just, hey, guy, but it's not as formal as rabbi. It, it literally just kind of means master or, or important person. But watch what happens here. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. Peter has to know that he's watching people on shore. James and John are probably looking at them going, what on earth is Peter doing? Why is he going back out? That, that doesn't make a bit of sense. Everybody's probably laughing at him. What a fool he is for going out. But Peter says, nevertheless, and then verse 6, and they had done this. They enclosed, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. Listen, this is what is amazing. Peter did what was preposterous, and he was rewarded. First thing I need you to see this morning, church, is that God does not need your ability. God needs your availability. I got it this time. I was like blumbering around in first service. God does not need your ability. He just needs you to be available. Our faithfulness to love, reach, engage, disciple is not limited by our creativity. It's not limited by our ability. It's not even limited to our knowledge. The one thing it is limited by is our obedience. Are we obedient to it? Notice here that Peter's catch was not dependent upon Peter's creativity. He didn't, he, he didn't say, hey, Jesus, look, right over here, there's this shelf. It drops right off. I know this is where the bass are. All you got to do is throw your drop shot right here. We're going to land this sucker, and we can go home. That's not what Peter says. It wasn't dependent upon Peter's ability. Peter was obedient, and that's what responded to this. Peter was a professional fisherman. Peter knew what to do. Peter knew exactly what needed to be done. And in Peter's mind, it's screaming, everything is screaming, this is dumb. Don't do this. But he did it anyway because Christ asked him to. And he was a professional. And he came home empty-handed. This isn't like, Kevin, when we go, to, when we go fishing, we don't make a good, fish, good catch like uh, Brad Foster did here yesterday. And we got to go through the McDonald's drive-thru to get the McFillet, Right? That's not what's happening. Peter is going to be hungry. Peter's livelihood was at stake. He failed as a professional fisherman. God does not depend on your evangelistic technique. Listen, they're great. They're wonderful. They're helpful. But the excuse that, oh, I just don't know that or I just don't know enough, it doesn't cut it. If we have come to know enough about Jesus in order for him to save us, we know enough about Jesus to tell others, to point others to the same Jesus that managed to save us. I've never been sharing the gospel with somebody and they come back to me and they'd be like, well, the exegesis of this particular scriptural passage, this pericope, remains impervious to the nuances of one's eschatological or soteriological convictions as it's really inherent theological context and self-contained and distinct doctoral considerations pertaining from the eschaton or modality of humanity. There's probably only one person in here that understood all that. 
I've never been sharing the gospel, and that's what they've said to me. Yes, they ask hard questions sometimes. Yes, they're a little bit skeptical. Yes, yes, there are tough decisions, but God is faithful to still be in the movement. If he managed to save you, don't you think he could save them? (sighs) Obedience breeds results. (coughs) We beg for revival. God, send someone else to do it. God, we want revival as long as it's not me. God, we want to see you move. Just don't put me in that equation. We want revival, but we get offended when God expects it to be through us. We get offended when God challenges us and and challenges us in in such a big way. In a world where we find desperate hopelessness and sin, we forget that Scripture is still breathing and living today. Isaiah 55, 11 hasn't changed He says, my word shall go out of my mouth and it shall not return void for it will accomplish the purpose in which I sent it. That's a terrible paraphrase of it. But God's word still goes out. It cannot return void. It's still accomplishing its purpose today. God does not need your ability. He needs your availability. Almost did it. This catch was not dependent on Peter's tackle. He didn't talk about his new Shamu rod or his new G. Loomis rod that set him back about $1,200. He's got to get that Berkeley snapped on there. He's got to fish it with just the right lure. He's not talking about any of that. It was not dependent on his skill or tackle. It was dependent upon his obedience. Peter had nothing to do with this catch except being obedient. We have nothing to do with catch except being obedient. God is still in the process of doing all the rest behind the scenes. And we miss that. Verse 7. And they signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. What an amazing thing. This this thing is sinking because of Peter's obedience. He calls James and John to come and help. And we see Peter's, the only response that you can really have here in verse 8. He says, but Simon Peter saw it and he fell down and said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord. Peter, we see this huge transformation happen here because Peter goes from this epistate, this master, this very loose term, to you are Lord. We see this transformation happening even in the midst of moments of Peter. Peter at that moment understood who Jesus was. Second thing this morning, church, if we are to love, to reach, to engage, and to disciple, we must understand who Jesus is. Because he is not limited by what we can understand. God, he is so much bigger than that. We are but sinful men. We love because he first loved us. We reach because Jesus first reached us. We engage because Christ first engaged us. And we can disciple only because he first discipled us. It has nothing to do with your ability, your age, your social status. Can I be honest? It has nothing to do with your temperament. I'm going to let you in on a little secret about myself. I don't know if I should tell this or not. I am an introvert. And you say, that's not true. You're standing in front of people talking. That's true. I am acting right now. I am an introvert. Through and through, I'm what is known as an extroverted introvert. Think about it kind of like your tank of gas. I start full, but when I'm empty, I'm empty. I think only the people in Africa have seen that from, from this so far because... 
I, I withdraw. I'm like a turtle. I just kind of withdraw in my shell because I'm empty. I have nothing left to give. I'm an introvert. But I know who Christ is. And I know that even despite that, Christ still uses me and puts me in situations where I have no choice but to be outgoing. I have no choice but to be an extrovert. I hear people say, well, I could never do what you do. I can't either. <laughs> I can't either. I'm an introvert, but God gives me strength and fuel to be an extrovert. I know who Christ is. Because, I, listen, the same God who sent Moses, this stuttering old fool, to, to speak to Pharaoh, who even through his own admission said, I'm not even a good and eloquent speaker, can use that. He still manages to use this fool right here. And Peter figures it out. Peter figures out what's happening. In verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon and Jesus, and said, Do not be afraid, for now you will be catching men. And they left. They brought their boats to land. They left everything and followed him. The people around him were astonished. They, they had to be, as they're coming back, as they're bringing all these fish, two big boats full to the point that they're sinking, they're coming back, and all these people that were probably laughing at Peter for going out probably have to be eating a little bit of humble pie right now. And finally, we have James and John that had never experienced anything like this before. And we get to the, the famous words, I will make you fishers of men. I will, you'll be catching men. I will make you fishers of men. You see, as we come to that, there's something we need to understand. Jesus wasn't concerned about feeding them. Jesus wasn't concerned about whether they were going to eat or how much money they were going to bring in from that. That wasn't Jesus' point for this catch. Jesus called them to, do, uh, to feed others. He wasn't focused on feeding them. He was focused on their ability to feed others. Last thing this morning, church, is that when we get them, we can't just feed them one. We have to teach them to fish. We have to teach them to fish. Jesus wasn't concerned about making sure that they were well fed. That wasn't the reason that Jesus got this massive fish haul. Jesus was more concerned about their ability to reach and feed others. We're going to do some math this morning. And Larry's not here to correct my math if I'm wrong, but I asked a math expert online, and so hopefully they didn't steer me wrong because we're in things I had not never thought about. Go ahead and throw that equation up there. All right. So we're going to do some math this morning. We're going to go under the assumption that one brings one, and that's two. Everybody with me so far? If you add one to one, you get two. Okay? We're going to keep on that assumption. If you take two and they get two, that makes four. All right? Everybody's on the same page. Okay, we got eight, we got 16. Everybody, everybody's on the same page. It's what we call multiplicational discipleship. We base this on a principle of repeating. Everyone go get one. So we disciple, we pour into, and then we send, and we go find another. And so... If we were to look at this in our case, we have 55,000, actually I don't have 55, I have 550 bobbers. Uh, you would, you know, it's, it's amazing how expensive these little things are. Uh, you didn't want me buying 55,000 of them. Um, 
But we have this equation right here. We must solve this. 2 to the power of n is equal to 55,000. That is the solution of what does it look like for us to be generationally multiplying. And to, to do that, we have to do some algebraic algebra, which I haven't done since high school, and I was terrible at it then. Uh, but we take the log of both sides. And you're going to have to trust me on this because I can't show my work. But you take that, and then by the process of multiplication, you're looking at 15.78, 16 iterations of multi of multiplicational discipleship. Now, 16 is a lot easier to manage than 55,000, isn't it? I can carry 16 of these bobbers. I put them in my pocket. They probably wouldn't even bother me that bad. I could, I could probably still fit my wallet or my phone in there. It probably wouldn't be that bad. But watch what happens in Scripture. Verse 11, things change. They got to the shore. And they left everything, and they followed him. They got to shore. They still had this massive catch. They still had everything they could ever hope to eat, everything they could ever hope to sell, all the money they could want, all the business they could want. They had everything they could want. And what the Bible tells us is as soon as they stepped on the shore, they followed him. They left it all behind. They left everything behind. And you know, I find us there more often than anything else. We conditionalize. You know, I would follow Jesus, but my job just gets in the way. I would follow Jesus, but my sports schedule just really gets in the way. Now I would follow Jesus, but have you seen the new days of our lives? Man, my soap operas are on. Man, I would follow Jesus, but people will look at me like I'm weird. Let me, let, me, let me internalize this. Here's what it sounds like. I will follow Jesus, but it's got to be my way. Can you imagine telling the God of the universe how he's going to run things for you? Because that's what we do. God does not ask us for our opinion. He asks us for our obedience. What if today we stopped making excuses? And what if today, honestly, we just made a priority to reach one? Just one. We just saw the math here. It takes 16 generations, 16 iterations of discipleship. If you go and disciple 15 people, we have reached this if you're sending them. But what if today we just left it on one? Can you imagine what the difference of a landscape of our culture would be if 300 people left this church today and just were focused on discipling one? Pouring into one? What if today we were to say, Lord, here is my everything, and drop it all and to follow him? What if we left all that worry? What if we left all that doubt? What if we left all that uncertainty? What if we left all that popularity? What if we left all the excuses that we could come up with and we just left them and followed him? What if today we would just say, Lord, here's my one. Help me, help me get them. Lord, send me to them. Let me go fishing. Because it changes things a little bit. We're going to redo some math here because I'm going to assume that we will have 300 people that are sent out of this church this morning on mission. 
So let's do some iterations here. Okay, so we're going to do the same thing. 300 goes and reaches 300, right? What does that give us? 600, right? 600 goes against 600. That gives us 1,200. You run the same exact equation. And what happens is you'll notice that that number becomes 8. That number becomes 8. Within eight generations, we have reached 55,000 people with, with the gospel of Jesus. We cut that. Kevin, I'm not a math guy. What is, what is, it? What is eight of 16? It's half of it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I walk in a store and there's a deal and it's half off, that's a good deal. But what if today... I mean, we just put all that aside, and we were willing to go after one. And you would just say, Lord, whatever it needs to be, let me get one. I didn't tell this illustration in the first service. There's a, uh, in the memoirs of Desmond Doss, in the midst of Hacksaw Ridge, uh, he, his prayer to God after he was going into fire, dragging wounded soldiers off of the battlefield, as a man who didn't carry a gun himself, said, Lord, just give me one more. He'd get that person. He'd go, Lord, just give me one more and run back into the battle. Lord, just give me one more. Lord, just give me one more. I forgot how many he ended up saving that day, but it was something that was unreal. What if we just focused on one? This morning's going to be a little different. Here in a moment, we're going to have our time invitation and listen, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, you're coming here, you know for a fact that you need Jesus. You're going to spend an eternity separated from him without him, and you need to talk to him. I'll be over at the side. Maybe you're here, you're a Christian, you just need to, to reclaim your heart. This altar will still be open. But this morning, my challenge to us is that we're going to come forward, we're going to grab one of these bobbers, and we're going to take it with us. As our commitment to just go get one. Imagine what landscapes change when we just focus on the one. The one person. I guarantee you know one person who needs Jesus. And we focus and pour into that one person. Maybe you're a Sunday school leader and you need to identify who is your next Sunday school leader. Maybe you're a leader in some other way and you just know that this person has been on your heart. You just want to pour into them. Maybe that's your one. Because if we, if we agree this morning to take one of these bobbers, let me tell you what will happen. Well, let me tell you exactly what will happen. Satan has no idea what to do. Because all these people will be sent on mission. All these people will be going and striving to, 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 to reach people and disciple them and change them. And it's going to be so overwhelming because all these people who have otherwise been sitting around not worried about how, how their salvation affects anybody else are suddenly going to be on mission and it's going to throw everything into chaos. But let me tell you what's going to happen in heaven. There will be rejoicing. The Bible tells us that even when one is saved, there is a party, there is a massive rejoicing. And so this morning, during our time of invitation, I want to invite, I'm going to pray here in just a minute, but when I, when I invite everybody to come and grab a bobber. Man, if you need to, grab this altar. 
Man, maybe you already know who that person is. I encourage you, grab this altar and be praying as you pray, as you hold that bobber and say, Lord, this is who I'm after. Send me to this one. Would we be on mission today? Would we be united in our mission to make it to be impossible to go to hell from Pulaski County? Because if we're serious about that, we have to be intentional. We can love. We can, we can say we love. We can say we reach. We can say we engage. We can say we disciple. But if we don't go, it's worthless. So this morning during our time of invitation, everybody, I'm encouraging uh, all of our people in the back, everyone. This is the part where why we've got pre-recorded music because I want everybody to be a part of this. Because if we're not a part of this as a church, then what's the point? Find your one in this bobber. Take it with you. It's not that big. Keep it in your pocket. I've had this bobber for a few years now. It fits right in my pocket. Take it with you. Let it be the reminder of the mission that you are sent on day after day after day. So I'm going to pray. And during this time of invitation, if you, if you need to talk to somebody, I'll be over, this, I'll be over at the side. But if you if you would just come forward, grab a bobber, pray over that bobber, take it back, whatever you need to do. But my encouragement is take a bobber. All of us, take a bobber. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you, Father, for who you are. And God, all that you are. Lord, you know right now the number that is on this stage. God, you have numbered them. You have told them. God, you have already right now, you know exactly who each of these bobbers is supposed to represent. And Lord, my prayer is that during this time, God, would you draw people to their bobber? Would you even right now, God, as they're, as they're sitting there, as they're praying, God, you just give them their one. And Lord, don't let it be something that we just leave on this and we don't think about it again until Saturday night. God, let it be a burden. Let it be something that we cannot quench without sharing the gospel, without discipling, without pouring into, without pointing them to you. God, during this time of invitation, would you just work? Would you just move? And Lord, just take us out of the way. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.